Well, hello there, wonderful teachers. I want to invite you to an event we're doing this summer. It's in Cincinnati, Ohio, so you have to be able to make it there, but it might be worth traveling for if you're able to. It's happening on July 20th and 21st, so that's over a weekend, and it's going to be the best two days for teachers. We're going to have a ton of fun. We're going to learn a lot about pedagogy and creative teaching and business. We have two fabulous guest speakers and we're even going to finish with an optional Kaylee. That's an Irish dancing party. So I hope you'll be able to join me. Just go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo that's dot com slash t-u-r-b-o 24 the numbers two four. I hope you'll check it out view all the details there and I hope to see you in Cincinnati in July. On with the episode. Vibrant, vibrant, vibrant music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for music teachers. You're listening to the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton, and today on the show, we're talking about meditation and what it could do for your music teaching studio. You can find the article that goes along with this episode at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash 176. Or if you're not a member yet, colorfulkeys.ie slash 176. Hey there, beautiful teachers. Okay, folks. So we have two episodes left, including this one of 2021. Oh my gosh. So we've got this one and then next week, and then we'll be off for our little Christmas break. And I wanted to take these two episodes to help us step back. So this week, we're starting by looking at a way to relax, basically. And I know I put in the title meditation. Maybe that's your thing. Maybe that immediately made you say, "Mm, this might not be for me. And if you're in that second group, I totally get it. I still am not really what you would call a meditator. It's not something I do as part of my daily practice. But I've come to see this as more of a helpful way to find tools for relaxation and mindfulness. And I think from that perspective, meditation exercises and related things can be really, really useful in the music teaching studio. So for both you and your students, I want you to consider each of these exercises. And if the word meditation made you turn off, then just replace it with a different word. Mindfulness, relaxation, anything you like. So let's go through a few different options for meditation exercises and see if there's one that appeals to you. I would recommend as we as I go through this little list here that I've made, first of all, feel free to go beyond this list. This is just a few almost random suggestions, things that I've tried myself. There are many more options outside of this list. I mean, almost infinite options, and you can definitely invent your own ways to do this as well. What they have in common is that they bring you into the present moment. So that's why I'm using the words meditation, mindfulness, relaxation exercises, breathing exercises, almost interchangeably. I do realize these aren't the same thing, but they're in the same family in terms of their use in the music teaching studio, because they can bring us into the present moment, which is something that's so useful as a musician of any type, whether you're at the teacher level or you're a six-year-old. 
you need to come into the present moment and actually hear the music that you're making, focus on what's actually happening and stop getting distracted by unhelpful thoughts. And those unhelpful thoughts as a six-year-old might be, hmm, I wonder if there's any chocolate left. And as an adult, it might be, oh my gosh, climate change. But regardless, the exercises that bring you into the moment are going to be helpful. So I'm starting with box breathing. Now, there are many, many breathing exercises you can do. And I'm only mentioning this one here, but I think it's a good one to start with. I've experienced a few different breathing exercises through yoga that I do. And they're really just in passing as part of my yoga practice. I don't do a particularly meditative form of yoga or anything like that. But I've done various different breathing experiments during that, including things like Kabbalabhati, which is the breath of fire, which is my least favorite thing. I know it's good for me, but <laughs> I do not enjoy that one. However, box breathing is a really good technique. And I think it's one of the most useful for beginners and people who aren't into yoga and breathing and that kind of stuff. So box breathing is simply where you you're breathing for a count of four, in for four, out for four. So it's very simple and it's called box breathing because you're drawing a box with your mind's eye. So to me, it's always a beam of light, like a laser that's going, I think it's what most people would consider backwards. But anyway, I start in the top right corner I draw a line to the left, across the top, down, across the bottom, and then back up. And then it starts again for your breath out, and again for your breath in. So it's just a way of counting to four, but it gives you something to visualize. Now, again, if I destroy any of these exercises or descriptions, and you happen to be a yoga practitioner or something, please feel free to either ignore me or put a gentle correction in the article if you'd like to elaborate or say something you think would be helpful for people. I'm coming at all of these from the perspective of an amateur. The box breathing, for me, that's what I visualize. And it's a kind of laser beam of light in my mind, or like a neon sign kind of gradually lighting across. And it changes colors each time in my mind. That just helps me focus on it because I do get quite, my mind goes all over the place, as it does for many of us. I don't know, maybe a little bit more than the average person. I do find visualizing things to be the most helpful for me to to tune into what's happening right now and my breath and that kind of thing. So there's box breathing. If you hate the sound of that because it involves sitting still and visualization, maybe walking meditation would be better for you. So this is harder to do with students unless you are in a situation where you can take students out for a walk. Um, I think that's going to be difficult. But it's definitely something you can suggest to your older students, particularly, that they go out for a walk with music, with their favorite playlist on, or with music you suggest, you know, suggest some classical music that they could explore and have them go for a nature walk with that music. And you do it too. It's honestly so helpful to get out, to experience some greenery to get some fresh air, to walk, and to just listen and actually immerse yourself in the music. And I do think the walking is very helpful for many people who tend to focus on all these things outside of ourselves, right? If you just walk with lots of trees around, it might make a difference. There's been so many times 
especially in the past two years, where I felt like, oh, I just need to, I just need to keep going with this thing. I just need to keep going with this thing and it'll all get sorted. And then I force myself to go outside and take a walk instead. And it all melts away. And I'm like, oh, right. You know, you needed to go outside, dear. In my most patronizing voice for myself. So walking outside can be a form of meditation, right? The rhythm of your footsteps, the focus on the music, if you're listening to some, and the bright breathing, which tends to steady as you walk because you've got that physicality going. Another option is a body scan. I think this is a really good one to do as part of a warm-up routine in your piano lessons. So this is where you literally focus on one part of the body at the time. At a time, most commonly you start at your toes and you work your way gradually up. Uh, if you've done yoga and come to the end of a class, this is often done at the end of a class where you're lying in shavasana and the instructor tells you to work your way slowly up and you know then you focus on your ankles sometimes they describe this as well as a beam of light or a dot of light that's moving upwards now it doesn't have to be lying down in shavasana you can do this sitting at the piano so you can have your student close their eyes and focus on the feeling under their toes and then their heels and then up through their ankles and gradually gradually I'd say you're going to want it with a younger student in particular. You're going to want to first have them close their eyes because it's much easier to focus on sensations when our eyes are closed and we're not thinking about all the things around us and also not thinking as much about the gaze of others on us if we feel like they are watching us sometimes. But I would also urge you to go a bit faster than the average yoga teacher does if you're doing this with a kid, right? Even for me, um, a lot of yoga teachers are going so slowly. I'm like, so they say, and now you're at your ankles. And I'm like, what? I was already all the way at my head. What are you talking about? So especially as a beginner, right? So going a bit faster, but doing that little body scan, you could even just pick out a couple of different parts to focus on that are relevant to the piano. Another option is mindful seeing. This is a really interesting one to me and something I haven't tried yet with my students. So there's a description of this process that we've linked to. But basically the idea is that you focus on an object and seeing all the detail in it. You can do this with something like a painting or a sculpture, but you can also do it with like a pebble. The point is you're focusing on the detail and really zooming your eyes in almost on that thing and focusing just on that and noticing everything you can about that object. Another option is the shavasana, right? Or in other words, lying down and being still. Shavasana translates, I believe, to corpse pose. So you, it gives you a good image in your mind's eye, although not always the most pleasant way to describe it. <laughs> but yeah, lying down on the floor, completely relaxed. If you have a student who experiences a lot of anxiety, this might be an option for them. With all of these, especially with your students who are anxious or, you know, are dealing with nerves and they're playing and that kind of thing, and this is why you're exploring this, please do it with them. It is honestly going to, well, for me anyway, it would increase my anxiety so much more to have a teacher tell me to lie on the floor while they sit there and watch me. I mean, that sounds mortifying, doesn't it? But if you do it with them, 
You're in on the experience and you can have a giggle about it together. There's nothing wrong with that. And then my final option for you is what I call tune in. And this is where you simply focus on the feeling, the sensations whilst you're playing. So this is one of the hardest things I believe as a musician is when you have those distracting thoughts, when you're taken out of the moment, when you're in the middle of playing. And it tends to happen most unhelpfully during a performance, right? An exam, a concert, something like that. So learning to focus on the sensations can bring you back into the moment, into the music you're making rather than the experience of the audience or completely detached thoughts. Now, this is hard to do in the middle of playing at first. So I suggest first learning to do this without playing. So say, focusing on the fingertips. I actually do this in the breath of five warm-up that I do with a lot of students. I have them raise their hand to the keys and focus on the feeling of the keys under their fingertips. Now, while I say that in the warm-up, and I have this recorded as a video that you can use if you're a member of Vibrant Music Teaching, but I say that in the warm-up, and really I'm not expecting most students to do it at first. Like, they're not actually... If I ask you to do that right now, put your hands on the keys and focus on the feeling under your fingertips, I think you know what I mean, and I think you would probably instinctively do it just because I said that. A young kid might not really be focusing on that sensation, but I think if they practice doing it enough times, it might sink in. It's just one of those things. So having them do that in breath of five or in a separate activity like that, and then starting to have them do that, focus on the feeling under their fingertips as they play scales or things like that, and then trying to bring it into longer and longer pieces so that they have that ability to just narrow their focus in that way. You come back to the feeling under your fingertips. And that simple act can save you from memory slips and from shaky hands in nervous situations in some cases. Another thing to focus on is the sound of the music. I like the sensation under the fingertips as a first step because the sound of the music I feel like it's harder to build up to that and I also feel like it's easier to mix that together with the experience the audience is having which is different right but when we focus on the sound we're actually making in the moment that's very helpful when we focus on the sound the audience is hearing I feel that's less helpful so yeah that's a bit nuanced and difficult to describe to a younger student Focusing on the fingertip sensations is, is a helpful one, though. So when do we use these meditation opportunities? I think it's really helpful to build them into the lesson routine. So that little check-in I do in the breath of five, that's at the start of every lesson. You can also build it in at certain points during the lesson, but that word routine is really helpful for me here, that it's something standard that you do. And then if you have a student who needs to explore this further, they have the beginnings of those tools and you can build upon it from there. In the lead up to an exam or performance, I suggest exploring several of these different techniques or several different breathing exercises, something like that. And then see which one that particular student finds the most helpful. Which one do they find the best experience with? If that's, for example, box breathing, well then you stick with that. 
And you have them do that at the, before they play this performance piece every time. And then have them do it in the actual performance or the exam. But they've practiced doing it in the lesson. Another great time to use these kinds of tuning in exercises and meditation, breathing exercises is before you play, when your purpose is to play for relaxation. So this is more a tip for you or for your adult students and your teens who want to use music as a way to de-stress. And I think that's a wonderful place for music to live in your life, right? So if that's you or if that's one of your students, a quick breathing warm-up and or a tune-in exercise can be really helpful. Another thing that's helpful for this is using improvisation as a basis for playing sometimes so that we really can get in the zone and experience that music as a meditation. If you do have students with anxiety or nervous tendencies or different experiences where you think meditation could be helpful in their home practice, I think that's great. I would try to get the parents on board with that. And if you do think it's going to be helpful, don't hesitate to put this on the assignment. Parents might be more open-minded than you think, especially when they see the effect that it has on their kids. Your one thing of the week this week is to try just one of these meditation or mindfulness exercises yourself. Not even with a student, just try it yourself and notice how you feel before and after. Don't judge how you feel before and after. If that's, I feel nervous before and silly after, that's a fine answer. Just have an experience, see how it goes. I hope you enjoyed this exploration of meditation and mindfulness as we head into the holiday season in many parts of the world. Next week will be our final episode before the break and we're going to be talking about debugging your music teacher life for a new season so that we can all start with a truly fresh slate in the new year. I'll see you back here next week. Hope you have a great one. If you ever get overwhelmed by all the different teacher training options out there, Vibrant Music Teaching is the place for you. We nickname our members Flamingos because they're masters of balancing all of the things and making it all work in a way that isn't overwhelming. We have tools to help you do that inside Vibrant Music Teaching. So go to vmt.ninja and sign up today. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I hope you loved it and I wanted to pop on here one more time to remind you about our event. It's happening in Cincinnati this July and you can get all the details at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo. See you there.